This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The hero is Andre Kuzmenko. He scores the only goal of the shootout. The Canucks with the shootout, one to nothing, and they win the game, three to two. And the Flames are now one point behind the Jets in the fight for the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. Flames fall to the Vancouver Canucks, three-two in a shootout Saturday evening in Vancouver. And now approach another game day with another must-win situation. Even though they know that their playoff hopes don't rest in their own hands. Flames enter tonight's game against the Nashville Predators with another Game 7 mentality. Welcome to Sportsnet today. Happy Monday. Happy Flames game day. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, along with my outstanding production team, of Cam, Taylor, and Colton. How are we, Cam? Doing great? Smiling? Doing great, buddy. Doing great. Great start to the Monday. Nothing's gone wrong yet. Nothing's gone wrong. We've no. done perfectly fine. Everything's still, great. Yeah, it's been great. Just so like much to get season. to on the show today. We'll chat with Peter Labardius in just moments to kick off the program. We'll, of course, check in with a look at the opposition tonight, the Nashville Predators who no one expected to be at this point in the season in the playoff contention in the West. Their chances fading a lot like the Flames are, but uh, they spent their trade deadline in a much different fashion than the Flames did, auctioning off their uh, veteran expiring contracts, some non-expiring contracts even, to the highest bidder and still remained uh, in this playoff race almost until the very end of it. We'll see how it goes the next couple games for Nashville, but... Uh, they've been a remarkable story this season. We'll chat with Willie Doncic, TV play-by-play voice of the National Predators in hour two to get caught up on tonight's opposition from the Calgary Flames, plus some game day audio coming your way from the Scotiabank South Dome. A little later on today, head coach Daryl Sutter, Noah Hannafin, Milan Lucic, and Jonathan Huberto all on tap. But let's kick things off like we always do. Head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Park guest hotline, say hello 
to the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, he is Peter Labardius, and he is brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows that your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you? Doing well, doing well. How about you? I'm doing great, sir. Uh, let's look, quickly look back to Saturday. Uh, not the opening 20 minutes that the Calgary Flames would have liked in a uh, must-have game, but they push, they tie it, they send it to a wild three-on-three overtime, only to be stymied in the shootout. What did you see Saturday in Vancouver? Well, I think you just laid it right on the table, my good man. That's what I did see. Um it was what I referred to on Saturday as a bit of a pedestrian first period. Soft play that led to the Pedersen goal, an ill-advised pass. 40-plus, 40 45 minutes. I really liked it. They didn't score on the second, but they sure played the right way. And I think it built what they needed to get done in period number three. And any time this team makes its way into three-on-three overtime or a shootout, the record hasn't been great. And it's going to be very responsible if everything doesn't go their way in the next three or four days of too many non-wins, and all the points matter. It's why they're still in it in their second-last game. But that record in overtime, had it been just a little better, they would control their fate heading into tonight. Yeah, it's it's one of those unfortunate parts that we're, you know, we talked about all season long and uh, continued Saturday for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Lou, the, the bad starts, uh, the bad, you know, I guess the disappointing starts for this team. Um, I know you mentioned it on the uh, the post-game show with the guys on Saturday, and um, I couldn't agree with you more. It's happened more at home than it has on the road, but doesn't matter where it, it happens. It's just not a good trend for this group, but it's a surprising one given the, the veteran nature of that locker room and, and given the coach and, you know, the, the guy that we know you know, is trying to do everything to keep his team as ready to go to start every game as he can. It's just been a trend that's, that's plagued them for too many times this season. Well, Logan, really, to put it simply, yes, you're right. Is it really that simple? No, it isn't. So I'm going to use the word a lot, and I already have. Do I think there's been a disconnect between those two sides? Yes. Is some of your most important players buying what's being sold? Well, if they are, they're not playing like it. That's, in many ways, to me, what it's come down to. Last year, it was a group that was doing well, had different personnel, There wasn't a lot of down times after maybe a bit of a tricky beginning in October. But you can always handle the hard when there's not very much of it. 
they haven't been on the same page. That's as simple as it is. And I think it relates not only to starts, it relates to finishes. It relates to people not being at their best this season, which is really what it's about. And as I've said, and whether people want to hear it, and I don't think they always want to hear it, I'm not blaming either side. Mm -hmm. Because I think both players and messaging and all of it, I think everybody has a part to play. It hasn't worked. That's the bottom line. Philosophically, I could not be a bigger believer of, you know, Daryl and I think it, I think pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Philosophically. Yep. Is there any worry in your mind, Lou, heading into these last two games where uh, hey, it, it could be over tonight as simple as Flames lose and, and Jets win? It, it could be that simple for this team. But is there any worry in your mind knowing how difficult it's been at home this year that these last two games do come on home ice? No, it doesn't have anything to do with it for me at this point. It really doesn't. It's... It's not about the last two games and where they're being played. It's do you have enough belief and will and to do it the right way for 60 minutes tonight? That's what it is for me. It's simple. Is your mind right? Are you going to play a good game for as close to 60 minutes as you can to allow you to fight another day? It's that simple. I don't care where the game is played. I don't care who the opponent is. That's that's where my mindset is, but it's easy for me to have a good mindset. Well, maybe it isn't, but it is today. It's it's honestly, you might have two games together left as a group. Play for one another. Play as hard as you can for 60 minutes. Play Calgary Flames hockey, which they have not done often enough. And again, if that's good enough, it's good enough. If it's not, well, tomorrow we get to have another discussion, don't we? Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, As far as tonight's game goes, Lou, it'll be the same lineup we've seen the last couple of uh, nights from the Calgary Flames. No real surprise that Daryl's going back to that, but I guess my question would be, would you follow the same suit if you were Daryl Sutter coming off of that loss in Vancouver? Would you look to to shake it up in any way, shape, or form when it comes to the lineup? I don't think it's really about coming out of the loss in Vancouver. It's, It's more what I might have, and again, I'm not coaching. I'm not a coach. I certainly haven't won any Stanley Cups. But I do, at a certain point, is it more valuable in some respects in a year where you want to get in and you want to provide a little bit more? But I think in Daryl's case, his mind has been made up. He was going to either 
win it with this lineup because he feels it gives him the best chance every night. Because, Logan, if he didn't, he wouldn't be playing it, would he? No. Now, would I operate exactly the same way? There's only one guy in question for me. One. And it's not Coronado. It's one. It's Pelche. And it's, again, Daryl be mad if he hears it, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm a big boy. That's that's the only question mark for me. Because I personally have not seen enough out of Nick Ritchie, and nothing against Nick. He's done some good things. I just, honestly, I've sa- I said it last week. I'll say it again. I see more upside. I see somebody who could be a very big part of your future. And in the most responsible areas of the game and energy, I think you might be better served to go that way. But that's, again, that's me. And I'm not breaking down every shift every night. That is strictly based on my personal experience and the questions I have asked and what I see and what I have seen. But I also know in Daryl's mind, for Jacob, in his mind, too, this isn't necessarily his time either. And I get that part of it. And so... Again, that's kind of my scope today, Logan, is everybody's going to narrow it down to today and what you do today. And that is really, in some ways, what it's about. Mm. But it's not really about that if you're talking about playing somebody for the future of your team. Jacob might end up playing, you know, 20 more games this season for a different coach at a different level where he's going to get some great professional playoff experience. So I know as an organization, I'm getting that. I may be getting that and the focus may start that way for him beginning on Thursday. And he's playing on Wednesday if they're not in. That I can almost guarantee you, and likely so will Coronado. Yeah. So that's again, that's how I assess it, and and so it really is for anyone who you know sees it differently, and that's great. That's why we have these forums. Everything you do when you examine decisions is what's for today and what's for tomorrow, and how do you combine them? When is it time? And when does it serve the most important people that you're going to grow with the most? And yes, there is obviously varying degrees of how to do that and how it should be done in a lot of people's minds, including mine. I just really, with all of these questions... I always try to look at it, Logan, from both sides to try to flesh it out 
and to help our listeners go, not that my way is the right way, because frankly, to me, that doesn't matter. For me, the role is why a coach might be doing things rather than what I think is right and marrying those two things together. So that's, uh, that's my lineup court case for today. We're with Peter Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, he joins us every single day to kick off the program. Uh, brought to you by our good friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Uh, Lou, one no, one non-change in the lineup that no one's surprised about. Uh, Jacob Markstrom will get the start again. He's been the workhorse for this team um, and played a pretty spectacular game again on Saturday for this group. Uh, gave him every chance to win the first period, obviously. You said the team didn't start off like they wanted to, but I thought 25 was as strong down the stretch as you could have asked for from him on Saturday night. Yeah, you're right. And so the one thing that I do feel very strong and I'm very passionate about is I evaluate differently based on the importance of the situation. I also evaluate differently based on when you struggle, can you do different to get to a better place? And I look at everything now in my life that way. Because I don't think you can get different without doing different. I think Jacob's been pretty darn good at a time where his team has needed him the most. And that's the story that maybe another little chapter was added to, at least in my mind, on Saturday night. Uh, off the ice, Lou, an interesting uh, topic to get to today. Uh, Michael Backlund has been named the uh, Masterton nominee for the Calgary Flames. All 32 teams uh, nominate one player on uh, behalf of the Professional Hockey Writers Association uh, and their city's chapter. This annual award goes to the NHL player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Uh, we know Michael played in game number 900 uh, as a Calgary Flame this year and is having one of his best career seasons. Uh, I have to imagine that's a nomination that you would agree with wholeheartedly, Lou. Well, the nomination for me, of course, because it's based on contributions on and off the ice. It's, it's hands down for me the easy one that way. But I am declaring today, and you have not heard this from me one time this year, and it didn't need to happen, and it didn't need to happen, in my opinion, this season. But if Michael Backlund wants it, I'm putting the C on him at the start of next season. Because he has earned it, and he's as good a player and as good a leader, in my estimation, taking the responsibility. His example has been at its best of his whole career, day in and day out. Now I'm ready to give somebody on this team the captaincy. And it's Michael Backlund. Uh, before we let you go, Lou, um, not that uh, I know we've talked so much about this and it's about a Flames team and 
what they do tonight, but an interesting opponent to look forward to at the Dome tonight in the Nashville Predators, who, uh, going back to pre-trade deadlines, sold off the likes of Janot, Niederreiter, Granlund, and Ekholm, and somehow had a better post-trade deadline than anybody thought they would and have been in this thing right along with the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets almost all the way until the end. Uh, I have to imagine it's a story that's that's caught your eye amongst many of them, you know, who've watched this Nashville team. Oh, it sure has. And been really interested to see what's happened there. Well, and it's funny, if you listen to Daryl and my conversation today, he gives a great answer on where they are. So here's what I would say. Sometimes losing some of your quote supposed best guys to injury can be a blessing. And I think two guys who deserve incredible credit are David Poyle and Barry Trotz. And why I say that is no. Would they have planned it this way with all the key people out? Not a chance. But outside of Roman Yossi and Matthias Ekholm, they have given, paved the way for Cody Glass, a one-time sixth overall pick, to have more responsibility and start to play like many of us, including me, thought he might when he was chosen that highly. Philip Tomasino, a first-round pick, former world junior player and a good one, in 2021 is playing incredibly well with more responsibility and opportunity. In Ryan McDonough, they have the glue that has been missed dearly, I think, in Tampa. And so... Outside of Yossi, Tommy Novak, Luke Evangelista, and I can't forget about mentioning Philip Forsberg. That's massive too. But if you have determined at a certain point, based on what you have built, that your best days with certain groups have probably come to a conclusion and you have a great goalie, and you have some very good young players who are playing their tails off, and they play to the structure of what your coaching staff wants and are probably at this point more motivated than some of the players that aren't participating right now, couldn't you be better off? Mm -hmm. I think they are. And I think the proof's in the pudding. No, I agree. It's been been quite the turnaround for them. And some of those guys you mentioned, uh, Evangelista's been great. I mean, Novak, one of the highest scoring forwards. uh, Since I think December going back, Lou, he's just been, you know, some of those guys, you just give them an opportunity, just give them that little bit of that door opening and that that chance, and they're just going to run through it and, 
I can't wait to see some of those guys in person tonight, and it's going to be uh, a great game. You know, both of these teams are going to be dialed up. It's a playoff-type game for both of them. So looking forward to it, pal. We'll see you at the Dome a little bit later on tonight, hey? Sounds good. Let me leave you with this on Nashville. Please. Maybe maybe it says more about who's not in than it does mm. who is. Yeah. Good point. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate it, pal. You're welcome. Peter Labardius, color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, you'll hear him a little bit later on tonight. 6.30 for your Calgary Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg. And you'll be on the call with Derek Wills at 7.30 right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Flames and Predators, game 81 of 82. The season coming to an end. Playoff hopes still vaguely there for Nashville and for the Calgary Flames. You have to win tonight if you're the Calgary Flames, but haven't we been saying that for two or three weeks now? So how much has really changed if you're the Calgary Flames? Uh, all of our Flames coverage coming here uh, on Sportsnet 960. The Fan Flames talk with Pat coming up at 4 o'clock this afternoon. We will take a break, come back on the other side. Uh, we will hear from Greg Wachinski of ESPN, his thoughts on the Calgary Flames season so far and what needs to change for this group to rebound in the offseason. And uh, we'll dive into the text line as well at 960-960. All of that and more coming up as we continue here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, so Flames and the Predators. Monday night from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Game 81 of 82 in the regular season. Playoff hopes hanging by a thread for the Calgary Flames. You need two points tonight. Winnipeg can't salt away a playoff spot entirely tonight, but they can end Calgary's hopes. Nashville, of course, would still be alive if they take the two points tonight against the Calgary Flames. Winnipeg now in the driver's seat when it comes to uh, to both. I mean, really only thing... Winnipeg needs to worry about at this point is handling their own business. They'll deal with whatever uh, the Flames and Predators do tonight. Even a three-point game doesn't really hurt them. And for Winnipeg, uh, your opponent tonight, the San Jose Sharks. A 5 o'clock puck drop uh, available for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet West. And with a 7.30 puck drop Monday in Calgary, we will have a pretty good idea around puck drop here at the Scotiabank Saddledome, what's happened in Winnipeg. Jets coming off a big 2-0 win against the Predators. That was a gut punch for Nashville, 2-0 on Saturday. But as we get here, whether you, you like it or not, the story will finally come to a conclusion. We won't, at least for the next two games, there's a possibility, go into every game with you know, we have to win. It's two points on the line. Game seven mentality that, that comes to an end, whether we like it or not, on Wednesday, Flames and Sharks from the Scotiabank Sound on the final home game of the year for the Calgary Flames. And let's be honest, very likely the last game this team will play this season. Math not in their favor. They needed the two points to keep pace with Winnipeg. Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks, they didn't get it done. A bad start leads them to a 2-0 hole. 
They pressure the next 40 minutes, go to a crazy overtime. Shootout is what it is. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko, who was actually benched for a good chunk of the second half of that game for Vancouver by Canucks head coach Rick Tockett, comes in with a great move, beats Jacob Markstrom. And that's uh, that's all she wrote for the Calgary Flames as far as Saturday's result goes. And it's got people looking towards the offseason and what it might mean for the Calgary Flames, how important it is for the Calgary Flames. And look, you won't hear anybody from this group today when we hear from players from the Scotiabank Stadium talking about the future or talking about what it might look like in a couple weeks' time. But, you know, if we're being realistic, it's a conversation that we're going to have a lot over the next couple of weeks. And it's one that's that's fair to, to I think, open the book on. And we'll hear from Greg Wyshynski of ESPN in just a couple moments here. He joined Russick and Rails on the big show a little bit earlier on today to talk about what he thinks a Flames offseason could look like, should look like. I know it's something that gets brought up with uh, Pat a lot on the Flamestock postgame show, whether it's texts or calls. And, you know, before we get too much into it, the text line is open to you at 960-960. It's always open here on Sportsnet today. We'll read some of your texts coming up in just a bit. This is one of the more fascinating off-seasons for the team from a number of standings uh, standpoints. And really, you'll be hard-pressed to beat what happened last year because of the caliber of players that got moved, because of the massive implications that it had for the Calgary Flames, for Matthew Kachuk to become the new face of the, the Florida Panthers. Even to a degree, it's been a disaster. But for Johnny Gaudreau to choose the Columbus Blue Jackets as a premier free agent, again, they've had they've had no success. Gaudreau's numbers have also dropped on a personal level. But there's like I said, there's still you're still gonna be hard pressed to beat an offseason that happened like that last year. But I'm curious if we don't see something similar here in Calgary off the ice. I, I don't know what's what's out there to happen as far as actual player movement with this team. There's so little cap space. Raises come in place for Uyghur and Huberto, and we could talk about whether that was valid or you know something that this GM should have done. I, I still think signing them to an extension made all the sense in the world at the time. But there's just there's not gonna there's not a lot of pending free agents this year. Without going out and making big trades or moving, you know, hockey trades with another team, the, for the most part, this looks like it'll be a similar group coming back. Where you can't say that is potentially the front office, and I think potentially the coaching staff. Pat has said it a thousand times and it's surprising to me that it's not a bigger topic but we're heading into game 81 Monday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome and Bradshaw Living does not have a contract extension for this team I believe I've heard back correctly neither do any of the front office staff for the Calgary Flames 
So you're talking about one of the biggest off seasons that you're going to need to have to try to fix this thing or at least get this thing headed in a better direction. And you have no idea who the general manager is going to be. Could it be Brad Living? Absolutely, I think it could be. But we're, like I said, we're two games out from this season being done. And it could be anybody else. Add on to that everything that we've talked about with the locker room, the communication. I, I don't know what the future. I know Daryl Sutter holds an extension past this season. But I, I can't sit here and tell you today that it, it feels like that is a home run that he comes back next year. For two reasons. One of them, obviously, I think it's fair to say this team didn't respond at any point to this coach and, and his style. And especially from the key players, like that's, you can have a disconnect. And I don't mean to, to downplay certain people here, but you can have a disconnect between guys lower down in your lineup and how the coach want to see things. You can't have a disconnect between your coach and your $10.5 million star forward next year going forward. Now, that's not to say that firing Daryl is the only option. Both of them can, I think, come to a position where they try to understand each other better and, and sit down and have a tough conversation. But the season is months long, and... I'd have to imagine that's happened before today, and still we sit here with, you know, the most recent example for Jonathan Huberto was, let's be honest, a pretty lackluster effort against the Vancouver Canucks in every way, shape, or form. If you heard Daryl postgame on Saturday, he highlighted one line that wasn't going well for the Calgary Flames on Saturday. And it's pretty easy if you watch that game to say that was Backlund, Huberto, and Manjapani. There's been plenty said about the shootout attempt from all three Flames players, including Jonathan Huberto's. So while last season was an offseason filled with change on the ice, I have a feeling we could be on the precipice of an offseason off the ice that sees almost the same amount of change for the Calgary Flames. And and wouldn't that be something that after Gaudreau and Kachuk, everybody else leaves, only a year later would we see Treliving or Sutter potentially follow the same path because it just didn't go the way we thought it would for the Calgary Flames. We're a little bit uh, into it now, and it's become a topic as the the playoff hopes have faded a bit for the Calgary Flames. You know, what might an offseason look like? What direction would you go down if you were in charge of this group? And it's something that uh, Matt and George on the big show brought up with uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN a little bit earlier today. Wanted to play this for you. Uh, Greg had some interesting insights on uh, this Calgary team from afar and uh, how he might approach the next couple games for the Calgary Flames and what that might mean for the offseason. Here's uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN with the big show earlier on Monday. You know, it's it's an interesting question on, on two fronts. One is the off-ice question as to if they do miss the playoffs, you know, what happens behind the bench, what happens in the general manager's office. Um, you know, there's always kind of been the scuttlebutt about 
stretch, you're living, maybe getting an extension. I mean, who knows what happens when you miss the playoffs. It's, it would it, be fascinating to see how it all shakes out because then that addresses the second question, which is what do you actually have on the ice with this team? And I, again, it was a mad scramble after Goudreau leaves um, and after the Kachuk trade to try to create a, a, a playoff-worthy roster as, as best they could. I think this offseason gives them a, an opportunity to see what worked, see what didn't, and try to reshape the team and, uh, again. Um, so, look, there's a lot of pieces on this roster that you really like. And, you know, with the year under his belt, you know, who, maybe Huberto comes back and has a stronger season next year. Who knows? But, like, I just think that the off-ice stuff for me right now is, is the more intriguing part of where this team goes next uh, than, than what they might add or subtract from the roster this offseason. What do you think of the season for Daryl Sutter? Can you summarize what it's been and, and, and your thoughts on what it should maybe look like in the offseason? Yeah, here, I'll summarize it for you. It's been Sutterish. There's a, there's, yeah. there's a, there's a descriptor yeah. for you, but it's Sutterish. You know, like, uh, he's not playing the young, the, the young guys they want to showcase for potential trades. He's, he's getting a little butt heady with some of the, the, the veterans on the roster. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, curmudgeons are going to curmudgeon. And, and it feels very much like in a season in which the team has really struggled to find its stride and really struggled to kind of recapture the magic of the seasons that they had with Goudreau and Kachuk leading the charge, um, the tensions rise. And, and, you know, I think that manifests in, in some of the things that have happened with him vis-a-vis personal relationships with players. So um, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird season for him only because I, I didn't really feel like this team was able to craft an identity um, which is an odd thing to say about a Daryl Sutter team because it's really kind of his bread and butter. But I think that speaks to the massive change in DNA that happened when Goudreau and Kachuk left, where all of a sudden you have a team that in many ways was in service of two players at the, at the core, and, and they had this gravitational pull and everything was kind of revolving around them. It's like taking the sun out of the galaxy, right? It's like now all of a sudden what are we rotating around and, and I think they had a really hard time kind of recalibrating, um, especially early on offensively. And, and, and Daryl struggled to really kind of carve out what this team was supposed to be this season. ESPN NHL senior writer Greg Wyshynski joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. What have you made of Nazem Kadri season? Um, well, I mean... Well, first of all, I think Nas is a great player, and I think that what he was in Colorado was probably exactly the best usage for him as kind of like that number two center, outstanding number two center, the guy who who does all the dirty work and and makes all the two way plays that you need on a on a winning team behind behind you know someone like like Nathan McKinnon. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been a particularly uh, characteristic year, I think, for him defensively. Um, 55 and 80, pretty good. Not necessarily anywhere near what he was last year, but last year, of course, was a contract year. Um, and 55 and 80 is what he was putting up, you know, a few years ago in Toronto. So maybe that's kind of more where he is. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I felt like, again, it was a summer in which they were going to make as many moves they can make to plug holes in a sinking ship. And I thought that from the options available, he was a real good one. I remember thinking at the time it was kind of a coup that they landed him. Um, I just don't think that looking at his numbers last year for a Colorado team 
then one is uber talented and two was playing in a, in a, in a bonkers offensive season um, was going to necessarily predict anything statistically for him this year. What have you made of Jonathan Huberto's season? <laughs> not the best. <laughs> <laughs> not ideal. Um, not great, Bob. Where's not the ideal. Gift? Not ideal. But but again, like <laughs> again, what what are from an expectation standpoint? I mean, I listen. Fifty four and seventy seven for that guy is is nowhere near what it should be. I mean, we saw what he was able to accomplish in Florida. We know what he's what he's what he's capable of on a points per game basis, and he simply hasn't you know transferred the kind of, of impact game that he had with the Panthers to this new location. And, and again, like I, I give him a year, you know, maybe even give him a new coach. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of sort of recalibration that has to happen. I think for him going into future seasons, he's a tremendously talented player. I just think that sometimes you get your world rocked like he did one with the trade. Um, which is a, a huge life change, both from a from a team standpoint and, and a geographic standpoint, and, and then two, kind of being thrust into a role of, all right, here's here's the flag, go bear it, you know, in the, in the way that the that Goudreau and Kachuk did, and and that's a tough one for 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 Huberto. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily, I've never really thought that he was that guy. I think the one the reason that they made the Kachuk trade, the Panthers, was they didn't think he was that guy, and that they thought Matthew was more of the, the MVP heart trophy face of the franchise player. And that's why they were willing to give up Huberto. And, and so far you have to, you have to admit that Bill Zito is probably right in that, in that evaluation in making that deal, because we've seen what Kachuk has done in so far as his play down the stretch for Florida, where he might've even played himself into the heart trophy top three. Um, and then what Huberto has done this season for the flames. That is ESPN's Greg Wyshynski. He joined uh, Matt and George on the big show earlier this morning. You can hear that whole conversation wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Google, Amazon, etc. And I like George. I like the point that, that Greg makes there about you know the changes and, and how we're going to look back on this team and, and wonder why Florida made that trade how they, they valued different guys than, than Calgary did. And as you know, this text comes in at nine, six, zero, nine, six, zero. and says in hindsight, the flame should have rebuilt after Matthew and Johnny left. Now we're going to complain about the Huberto contract for a very long time. At the time, nobody thought that. And at the time, I think for Brad for living or the entire flames front office, the temptation to, drop in another 100-point player into your lineup and not go down that rebuild stretch after, you know, finally breaking through the first round with a group and finally getting over that nemesis and thinking that you're here for contender status finally. I think that's going to be one that we're going to look back on in a lot this offseason and wonder about. And you can't – there's nothing you can do about the Huberto contract now. Right, except try to get that guy as comfortable and as back on track as you possibly can. But I still don't, even knowing how bad this season's gone for the Calgary Flames, look back at that and say, I think that was a massive failure by this group. I think knowing how this team has always operated and the hesitancy to go down a rebuild road, I think given the option and clearly... They were given that option by Florida to avoid going down that path. 
was always going to be more tempting to them than, you know, potentially running it back and getting draft picks and young players for Matthew Kachuk. As easy as it is to say today that that's the road they should have gone down, I, I think remembering where this team was in the offseason coming off of that playoff loss to Edmonton, the mentality of 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 taking Huberto and Uyghur and saying, look, we can somehow come out of this a contender, or was at least what we thought was going to be a contending team, would have been a hard one to say no to. Uh, this one says, if Daryl Sutter gets let go at the end of the year, what are the odds Mitch Love is the new head coach next season? I have no idea. Um, but given what he's done in a very short time with the Stockton Heat slash Calgary Wranglers, I think he would be a candidate worthy at least of an interview, um, given how much he's done in a very short time uh, with the AHL affiliate. Um, this one says, the rumor I've heard from a Flames insider is if we miss, Daryl says he's going to resign logo. I have no idea. I've wondered about that to a degree and how different this is for Daryl from coming in. And I remember vividly watching the Zoom press conference with Daryl from the farm and, you know, talking about unfinished business with this group and trying to, to get back some of what they lost when he was the head coach last time. I wonder how far we are from that point right now if you're Daryl Sutter. I have no idea. Again, to to walk away is an interesting one for Daryl, given the fact that he just signed an extension. I think if you're Daryl and you don't want to be back, I think you, you probably dare the organization to fire you and, and have to pay out your contract. Uh, Matt and Cochran, our pal texting in, says, I think the only extension the organization will truly regret is Sutter in October. Uh, this one says losing the Flames number five all-time goal scorer and uh, top all-time active player with almost 60 game-winning goals is what hurts. Uh, and this one says, how about we just get Sutter as GM, uh, tree can go. Hmm. Don't know how many people feel the same way about that. Um, I don't even know if Daryl wants to be the GM again. That's uh, a fact that we've talked about a lot. That that tenure didn't go probably how Daryl expected it to go either. And I think... The organization's been down that road once before. If, if Pree's not back, I, I can't see Sutter being the GM, but but that's just me. Uh, we'll take a break, come back on the other side. Time for a look at the opposition and what an interesting opponent it is tonight for the Calgary Flames. The National Predators sold off young pieces. They sold off veteran pieces, expiring UFAs uh, at the trade deadline, just like a non-contending team would do. But here we are in game 80 of their season, and they are still in the fight for a playoff spot in the West. How exactly did Nashville lose all of those pieces, pick up draft picks and the occasional veteran in return, but somehow come out a better team on the other side? We'll talk to Willie Doncic, the play-by-play voice of the Nashville Predators next. He joins us on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.